Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from Blue Nile. And right now, you can have the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever place. Go to BlueNile.com today. Hey, who? look who's off the IL. Look who's coming off the bench. Look who's back. It's Miller Thomas. He's over there, and I'm your pal, Sully. Feeling positive, testing positive. Let's do Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. This is the weekly meetup where I bring our good pal Miller Thomas on to yap about the state of baseball. I am your positive tested host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Positive Sully. I am safely social distanced from everybody currently listening to my slightly more exhausted voice. And joining me is the host of Locked on Diamondbacks, my buddy Miller Thomas, more than six feet away from me here in the luxurious Locked on MLB studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Miller Thomas, tell people where you are, who you are, and why you are. Yeah, I'm in Arizona. I haven't tested recently, but maybe I should go do that pretty soon just to be safe. But I should be in Puerto Rico right now, but my flight got canceled, so we rebooked it and we're heading out tomorrow. So if you are listening to Lockdown Dimebacks during the week, it's all going to be pre-recorded podcasts. And speaking of Lockdown Dimebacks, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, Lockdown Dimebacks, on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube at Lockdown Dimebacks. And, of course, check out Sully on Lockdown MLB on YouTube as well. Yeah, and we're at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, big thanks to Jeff Carr. Big thanks to um, uh, Lindsay, to H-Town, to everyone who filled in on the few days where I could not do the podcast. When uh, Hey, COVID's no joke, everyone. It's no joke. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy that I was uh, – I've been – Double vaccinated, double boosted, and here I am in day four of this, and I'm coming out the other side. Believe me, I didn't sound like this. By the way, the the behind-the-scenes mechanism of of today's show, which I'm recording on my phone because, for whatever reason, my laptop was not allowing me to connect with Millard. I'm telling you, the baseball gods were doing everything to say, Sully, take another day off. But I said, no, no. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to play through this because I'm boosted. I'm ready to play. And I know that's best for the team that I'm Paul Sullivan. That means the opposite of me would be Paul Goldschmidt who okay. uh, <laughs> look at, I know I'm going to get some hate emails because I always get hate emails whenever I imply things like vaccinations work. Maybe we should use them uh, as I am coming out the other end of this, I'm just going to stick to baseball on this and say Paul Goldschmidt's a buffoon uh, for just for baseball reasons, okay? Goldschmidt, uh, who is part of a baseball culture who uh, 
just a decade ago, were getting injections from Alex Rodriguez, Rodriguez's cousin in a bathroom, are now terrified of vaccines that actually work being delivered by doctors. Now, maybe he would feel better if A-Rod's cousin came in and gave it to him in a bathroom stall. But either way, uh, the Cardinals are going to be going to Toronto. And they're going to be without Paul Goldschmidt, who is the front runner to win the National League Most Valuable Player. And oh, by the way, they're also going to go without Nolan Arenado, who is probably a top 10 MVP finisher in the National League this year. And look at, I want to, I was going to bring something else up at the beginning, but I'm going to get this out of the way. Just get, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to talk about this the whole show, but I am talking about this in terms of baseball. Okay. The Cardinals are hanging on to their playoff lives right now. As I'm recording this, they're, they're a playoff team by a single game ahead of San Francisco and ahead of Philadelphia. Okay. San Francisco has pretty good pitching. And if they dip into the, the market and pick up a decent hitter, they can make up one game over the last few months. And Philadelphia has talent, and maybe they'll get Bryce Harper back, or maybe they'll make a big deal. I don't know. But, you know, and they're, they're behind Milwaukee by a couple of games. They're, they're not a lock to make the postseason. And if we get to the end of the year, don't worry, Miller, I'm not going to filibuster here. But I've been out for a couple of days. I'm just getting warmed up. If the Cardinals go to Toronto, and I don't know if you what you saw, what they've done to Boston this weekend, uh, but yeah. I, still, I still think they're scoring runs on Friday, even though it's Sunday right now. You mean, um, my, you mean my dark horse team to maybe knock off a top contender, Sully, the Boston? Yeah, yeah, the Red Sox. Uh, they were not told that the All-Star break is over. And, um, the, wow, Wally is pitching for them these days. The, the, the Blue Jays' bats, have, uh, have they found their swing? And um, it, the Cardinals going there with a depleted offense. It is not out of the realm of possibility that the Cardinals could miss the postseason by one or two games. And if they go up to Toronto with an intentionally weakened team, lose a series there and miss the postseason by one game, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much the he's doing it for his own personal cause and his own personal integrity argument is going to hold over with a lot of St. Louis fans. If that's the case. Yeah, we'll see because it definitely sucks. I mean, like you said, it's a huge home field advantage right now for Toronto for teams just to go in there and lose maybe 10% of their roster because of vaccination rules. But at the same time, if I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, like I think I would feel differently maybe if it was like more a baseball rule, but it's like a Toronto rule, really. It's like kind of what the NBA had with Kyrie Irving in New York. Like it was a New York rule. Like other teams and players that were unvaccinated could still go into New York and play with just Kyrie that couldn't play. So maybe if it was more of a baseball rule, maybe if I was like a St. Louis fan, I would look at Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnott, a little bit differently because you're literally going against the grain of baseball but because more of a country rule with what toronto is doing over there maybe i wouldn't feel as bad uh you know i still would feel bad because paul goldschmidt nolan are not aren't over there but i feel like it's a little bit different when it's the country in 
putting the rule in as opposed to Major League Baseball doing it. So it definitely sucks because I think, you know, even though we play 162 games, it's still crazy how close these finishes come toward the end. That's why I'm like, I don't think we need to play 162 games, 112 games, 100, 100 games. doesn't matter how long the season is. It's still going to be a close playoff race. Whether you play 200 games, whether you play 100 games, that's why I think we need to shorten the season. But, if you're, you know, if you're St. Louis, like it does suck that your two best players aren't going to be over there doing the close race. But at the end of the day, it's more of a Toronto rule than a baseball rule anyway. And they're doing it to themselves. I'm sorry, they're doing it to themselves. They made that decision. And uh, so um, here's my violin playing for Paul Goldschmidt. You made the decision. Uh, I have some strong words to say, but I'm keeping it to baseball here. And uh, he made the decision to make a team worse in this series. Now, here's another thing, though. And this may be even a bigger factor. The way this newfangled wildcard playoff thing is set up, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a best of three series, but it's played in one location. As of right now, one of those locations is Toronto. Now, what if you get to the elimination playoff series? And, ooh, I'm not going to go play in it because I'm afraid to go to CVS. Um... How's that going to fly? Now we're not talking about 162 games. We're talking about we have to win two, and this is the postseason. Well, but, you know, I'm afraid of pharmacy. So how much is that going to fly if your team – now, like, like if the Blue Jays are one of those – you know, it's, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, team, the division winner with the worst record, which right now would be Minnesota – and the wild card team with the best record, which right now I believe if, if Toronto wins and Tampa loses, then that's Toronto. Um, then if you're Tampa, Boston, Baltimore, Seattle, whatever the other teams are, you got to say, hey, uh, get vaxxed or don't play in the playoffs. No, it's going to have major implications, uh, this Toronto thing. Like, it's going to be huge for the postseason, specifically in the American League. And I don't know. It's going to be one of those things that gets pretty weird because if Toronto does make it to the World Series and we do look at this home field rule as, like, a a big reason as to why, like, I don't know, are we going to have the asterisk talk as to maybe it's the reason why Toronto made it to the World Series or going to, like, diminish what they do? I don't know. I'm just saying what the national conversation could be. If we look at Toronto, it's like, all right, you know, half the, when the team's going there, ten percent of the roster is not playing because of whatever. You know, philosophy. Get vaccinated. That's what. That's how we solve the problem. Get vaccinated. It's very easy. Then you can put your team in a position to have those great memories for the rest of your life, and maybe even win a ring. And hey, if you want to pop the question or celebrate a milestone moment, you could find jewelry as unique as the one you love. The modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. This weekend, one of my great friends in the world got married in uh, up in the Bay Area. And I'm so thrilled for them. And I saw their diamond. I saw the ring. It's pretty good. I, 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 you know, obviously, I wasn't physically there, but they showed it to me. And uh, I asked them about it. And they said, you know what? We didn't get the best deal. I said, here's the problem. You didn't go to BlueNile.com. And you know what? Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft a specific engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. 
So guess what? You got to make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on right now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% off on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships for free, and arrives in discreet packaging. They won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever place. Go to BlueNile.com today. Hey, uh, I'm on my phone. Miller Thomas is in his luxury studio. And um, I'm, I'm done talking about COVID. All I've been talking about COVID is for the last week. And I just had, I had to get into the Goldschmidt thing because, you know, look, if, you, if, you're, if you're mad at someone, if you, want, if you want to write hate stuff, just send all your angry tweets and emails to creatorthomas24 mm-hmm. on Twitter. Because, you know, Millard was the one who put me up to that. I don't know. I, have um, to take. I might have some QAnon uh, DMs. I don't know. <laughs> Bring it. Uh, no, send it to me at Sully Baseball. I, I, I believe me, I've, I've gotten worse. Um, uh, by the way, let's start with something for happy and fun. Uh, the Hall of Fame inductions were today on on Sunday. David Ortiz, one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah, I know he did PEDs. Do you want there's some players in there who did PEDs? And it, I don't care. I don't care. We're going to eventually have. Uh, he he was great for the sport, and he and a Hall of Fame museum is incomplete without him. Just like I think it's incomplete without Clemens. It's incomplete complete without Bonds. And guess what? I think it's incomplete without Sammy Sosa. What Sammy's? How many people? The the sport of baseball was saved by McGuire and Sosa, and we're going to pretend that they didn't do what they did. Good and lord! He- how many how many people are huge baseball fans now? Because they grew up watching Sammy Sosa. Let's let's knock off, knock off. Like, look at, I'm all I'm a big Hall guy. I want people in there who who made the game great. And Ortiz, obviously, to me, he he was amazing. Um, I'm glad that Jim Cott and Tony Oliva are alive, are still alive for their long overdue inductions to the Hall of Fame. There was no reason why Minnie Minosa and Buck O'Neill are posthumous. They could have been put in in their lifetime. I mean, what a wonderful speech we would have had from Buck O'Neill and Minnie Minosa, who was just filled with life and positivity uh, and came up like he came up as a pinch hitter in the 70s and in in the 80s. So he could play in in the was it, it was the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. I think was he played at all those broke the color barrier in the city of Chicago, um, was one of those ubiquitous figures in White Sox history. No reason why he should have been in posthumously. But you know what? Better late than never, at least. Um, Gil Hodges, who died just before the start of the uh, 1972 season. I hope this brings the end of a debate because there was he wasn't in for many years because he was a very good player. And he was the manager of the Mets when they won the World Series, one of the most shocking World Series ever. And then he died. And if you combine his whole career, that's a Hall of Fame career. But for some reason, well, he has to go in as either a player or as a manager. And he didn't do enough in either. So like, or how about putting him in as a great figure in baseball? What, what, why do we have such hard, fast rules to celebrate people? Um, Gil Hodges, I'm glad, is in. Obviously, I mentioned Minosa. Bud Fowler, who was a, uh, uh, a pioneer African-American player from the 19th century. Um, again, uh, 
posthumous, in case you were wondering. Uh, Most of these guys. But, but you know what? I, I'm all for when you have some like a Bud Fowler and so to have people ask, who is that? And it asks questions and then you begin to celebrate history. Um, I, I would love to go to Hall of Fame induction one of these years. Uh, and uh, I haven't been to Cooperstown for a long, long time. But uh, it's just, it's always a happy experience. It's a celebration of everything good in baseball. Yeah, also shout out Barry Bonds because today's his birthday. So he gets to watch the Hall of Fame inductions on the day. He's no longer eligible for the Hall of Fame on his birthday. Must be a great day for Barry over there. But happy to see my guy because I know we both grew up as Red Sox fans. Happy to see my oh. guy, Big Poppy, uh, make the Hall of Fame as well. Because um, we also can't forget, like, we almost lost Big Poppy back in 2019 to a shooting. And it's crazy how far yeah. you come with his recovery and seeing just him back in the national spotlight. Like he's retaken over baseball as like a huge figure once again um, with what he's been doing with the the broadcast stuff. So it's been really great to see Big Poppy again, just because personally I grew up as like a Red Sox, Lakers, Saints fan. And there's potentially a world in alternate timeline. Wait, where wait what? Yeah, Wait, it's, what? A weird com- it's a weird combo. You know, we don't got to get into the nitty gritty of it. But there's an alternate timeline where I lose maybe Big Poppy and Kobe Bryant in back to back years. And that yeah. is just absolutely devastated. So um, I'm glad to see Big Poppy recover. And just overall, like it, it's still kind of crazy, though, that he's like pretty much like the only dude from the Hall of Fame voting that actually got in. Like, even if you look past the Barry Bonds and the Roger Clemens, like guys like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton, yeah. those guys of the world that were on the ballot, too. Like, it is crazy that. Big Poppy's the only guy. And I do like the exclusiveness of the MLB Hall of Fame because, like, the Basketball Hall of Fame, it feels like every dude gets in. But I do like the exclusiveness of the MLB Hall of Fame. It's just the political game that comes into the voting and everything that else surrounds it that I don't like. We see it also in the NFL Hall of Fame when guys like Terrell Owens aren't first ballot Hall of Famers, even though he's, like, top two in every wide receiving category. So let's take the politics out the Hall of Fame and let's make sure to just put the best players in there um, obviously there's some things with steroids and PDs. I guess that muckies it up because I still think guys like Barry Bond should be in, but guys like A-Rod shouldn't be in there. So it, okay. it can be really sticky, but. Okay. Now let me ask you that. That's okay. interesting. Um, you, you, you think Bond should be in, but Rodriguez should not. Yeah. Um, now why? Because I feel like pre 2004 steroids were accepted in baseball. And then after 2004, we pretty much tested every you know few months whatever the testing regimen and and we actually cared about doing steroids we actually had suspensions and rules in place it was pretty much a wild west pre-04 with no rules in place so pre-04 it was okay in baseball and basically we looked past it but after 04 we actually tried to crack down so if you were still trying to do steroids once we put rules in place then i look at you differently all right i can i don't know if i necessarily align with that but i i i'll at least i'll understand what you're coming from i think a rod was a Hall of Fame level player with roids or not. And I think he's the greatest third baseman in Yankee history. Uh, and I think that he was an extraordinary talent and he gets a lot of hate that I don't always understand. And this is coming from a guy who was there when he slapped the ball with the Royal Glove and classic booing the dude, but it gets to be ridiculous. Um, you know, how much the, the, the vilification of him it seems to go beyond steroids and it's because it was always it was always there before we even knew he was a juicer mm-hmm. um, in fact when people thought he was clean people still hated him so i i, I never i, I don't think know, that, that, 
I think it's also because he was also a guy that was like great in the regular season, kind of like that Peyton Manning issue. It felt like he didn't perform as well in the postseason. So I think also people felt like maybe he was overrated. We talked about him as one of the best players in baseball. But when we got to the big stage, he didn't always come through in those moments. But, you know, that being said, he also was uh, – he carried the Yankees to the 09 World Series title. Mm-hmm. And that changed things. Before that 09, it, it wasn't like yeah, – even after that, though, even after that, they were still booing him like he was a bum. Yeah. And then he, he – there's only uh, Jeter became the captain in 2003, and under Jeter's captainhood, they won one World Series, and that was basically won by a Rod. And by the way, if Rivera had had um, had uh, uh, locked down the save in 2004 uh, against Boston, and there was no Dave Roberts steal or anything. A-Rod was the MVP, basically, of that series against Minnesota in the division series. And he batted like 400 with three homers in the ALCS up until that point. So he would have been looked upon as a massive postseason performer if they had completed the sweep. And they, they would have killed the Cardinals in that World Series. So he would have been looked upon like Reggie as a big superstar who came over and delivered. But, um, you know, you, in the upcoming ballot, um, you're going to see, like, A-Rod is still on it. Manny Ramirez is still on it. Todd well, Helton is on it. Yeah, let, let me ask you real quick about Manny because he's like A-Rod. Like, I love Manny. He was one of the best players I ever saw. But then he, like, tested negative, like, oh, or tested positive. Like, he failed, like, basically, yeah. like, five tests in his career. Like, I, I, put him, like, him in. I, I still put him in. I don't know. Maybe okay. I'm too, too forgiving. Um, Ramirez, I've always said Manny Ramirez was part he, – he was the – his baseball IQ, his hitting IQ, he was like he was like Joe DiMaggio. I mean, he was as a right-handed hitter. He wasn't just a big home run hitter. I mean, he was a tremendous offensive power. And so he was part Joe DiMaggio and part Gilligan. Like you sit there and you go, like, what is he doing? What are you doing, Manny? Uh, I, as someone who was a fan of Manny when he was with Boston, and then I moved to Los Angeles right around the same time he got traded to the Dodgers, and I saw how he was immediately embraced by, you know, it was Manny Wood. And then a year later, Dodger fans were like, we got to get this guy out of here. And uh, I've equated rooting for Manny Ramirez as like a weekend in Las Vegas. It starts off so much fun, you can't believe all the fun you have. And then it starts to get a little uncomfortable and then you start looking around and your friends were like, wait, what's going on? Should we get out of here? What's happening here? Are we in trouble? And then when it's over, it's like, thank God that's over. But then you look at your friends and go, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was kind of fun. That's rooting for Manny Ramirez. Um, Beltran. Uh, uh, Sheffield is an interesting case. Yeah. Todd Helton is an interesting case. I, I would be crazy. When you look at his stats, his baseball reference, it's like career 300 with 900 OPS over like 22 years. It's crazy. He had a great career. Yeah. He had a great career. And he had also a – he was someone – He in the when the Marlins won the World Series in 97, he delivered big time in the postseason a bunch of times. Um, he, he had a wonderful career. One yeah. of the things that, that hurt his reputation is that he changed teams sometimes within the game. You know, he just, he never was, he was bouncing around. Um, he was a wonderful player. Uh, he had, a, he, the two players who had a swing similar to him, and they're two, these are two players who are physically very different, but Gary Sheffield and Andre Dawson 
were both two players who I saw play live whose bat speed was so fast and their swing was so level that there's Gary Sheffield's swing and Andre Dawson's swing looked like a helicopter blade. It was just like, it was so fast and level. like, And you're just, and it was terrifying. Both of those players. I'm not saying they personally were terrifying. I'm just saying they're the, the, the speed of which they swung the bat. If I were a pitcher, I would be, I'd be, they'd have to change my uniform. So, um, it's interesting because they're like in terms of first ballots, I mean, Beltran and Frankie Rodriguez. I mean, there's no one on the ballot that's such an overwhelming favorite that you have to look at Rodriguez. You have to look at Ramirez and Helton and Sheffield and even, you know, Pettit to a lesser degree. And, um, and Jimmy Rollins, who's on the ballot again, you know, to take a good long look at some of them and start to think of which one of, who's who's going to be in the Hall of Fame moving forward. The guy Vizquel's on the ballot once again. I know you love a little Omar Vizquel, probably not. Um, yeah, no. looking ahead of next year's ballot is kind of interesting. One guy on here that I thought was an interesting candidate who's not going to make it, but just from the way his career started to how it ended with Matt Cain, because we saw in this year's ballot, Tim Lincecum was on it. And if you told me after the first five years in Tim Lincecum's Hall uh, in his career, was he going to make the Hall of Fame or not? I think everyone would have put it at like 95% Tim Lincecum was going to make the Hall of Fame. He was like two-time Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion. And then it kind of all fell apart by the time he was like age 28 to age 30. And then you look at Matt Cain, it's like the same thing, dominant when he was young. He had that, what, perfect game of no-hitter early in his career. He won a World Series. He was huge early in his career. And then all of a sudden, like a Tim Lincecum late in his 20s when he hit the age of 30. It basically all fell apart for Matt Cain as well. So I just look at that early Giants rotation with Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain, both of those guys, those first five years in baseball, two of the best pitchers in the game. And then by the time the age of 30, they were both kind of out of baseball at the same time. So it's just too crazy, those guys who were on early tracks to make the Hall of Fame and then just kind of flamed out by the end of it. It'd be interesting to make a list of those kind of pitchers who started off like Brett Saberhagen started off that way. Fernando Valenzuela started off that way. Um, you know, heck, uh, uh, Brandon Webb of the Diamondbacks won a Cy yeah. Young. He was about to get another one. And then all of a sudden his career was over. You know, like it, you see some of these pictures and like, like you were saying, like Lincecum, who to this day, like he represents to so many giant fans, the, the sort of the turn of the franchise. Like the, when Barry Bonds left, it ended at the end of 07, Lincecum showed up and Lincecum represented this new hope for the franchise, which culminated in he basically pitched him to the 2010 World Series title. And at the end, and he had a wonderful year in 2011 as well. And at that point in his career, Tim Lincecum looked like an absolute surefire bet to make it to the Hall of Fame. And if you're going to make any bets, go to betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, even golf. It's a combat sport. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in bet, in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today to use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. Did I just reveal that I sometimes don't know what I'm talking about when I read these ads? When I reveal that I don't know what a combat sport is? What's a combat sport? Like UFC, I think, right? 
Oh, I okay. I didn't know that. I, okay, I would have thought that would have been like you know. They, they like gladiators. Okay, all right. I probably could have taken a second to figure that. I thought that would, they would say UFC or Ultimate Fighting or you know. Yeah. I never heard of it. I just pictured like two tanks like fighting out. They like. Maybe it's I, like I, a, I, ever- I put money on that. I'd love that. There you go. Well, have you ever seen like those robot fights, uh, Sully? Oh like, yeah. Those things are actually very entertaining. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, I saw one of them live. It was pretty awesome. Really? Okay. Hey, um, let's uh, last segment we're talking about. We're here with Miller Thomas. I'm your pal Sully. I'm still negative. Thank you so much, everyone, for um, some of the nice notes that I got via Twitter and then Instagram. And thank you, everyone, for social distancing for me today. Um, the Angels in early June were a – playoff team in the middle of may they were 11 games over 500 over 500 and here we are two months later they're barely a 400 team and we went from oh my god joe madden's magic they've got the no hitter early in the year everything's working great finally we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have an october with trout and otani to not only are they not playoff teams, I believe, you know, the rumors are they have, they're going to be looking at maybe trading Otani. I think we've gone beyond the maybe part. They have to trade Otani before August. Before For, 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 for this why. reason. What? Tell me why. I'll tell you why. Um, Otani is going to leave after next year. He can be a free agent after next year. Why would he stay? He's an incredibly valuable player, an incredibly valuable piece to a good team where he's an excellent hitter and an excellent pitcher. The Angels are a team in a desperate need for a rebuild. Sorry, everyone, they are. This is a terrible team. This team stinks with a capital stinks. And if they let Otani walk, that's a disaster. Yes, it's a disaster to have Otani traded now, to the season ticket holders, but guess what's even worse? Watching him walk away in a couple of years and getting nothing in return. Now, a few years ago, Baltimore had a great trade chip in Manny Machado, an MVP candidate in his prime. And instead of trading him in the 2017 season, when the team that could have acquired him would have had a season and a half of control and therefore they'd be able to get a better haul from, they waited until the middle of the 2018 season when whoever they traded for would only get half a season with him. And the haul they got back from was lacking. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they whiffed. And right now, if you trade Otani, you get an all-star caliber pitcher and an all-star caliber hitter for the pennant stretch of this year and all of next year. He has no loyalty to this team like Mike Trout does as he was brought up to the system. Mike Trout wants to be the greatest angel of all time. Newsflash, he already is. And he wants to, if he wants to win a title, he wants to be the person to deliver it to Anaheim. All right? Otani doesn't have that connection. Otani's, uh, what I'm doing in New York, I'm doing it in Chicago, I'm doing it in San Francisco, I don't care. And so the angels have to trade him and get at least two significant pieces to put in their rebuild. That by the time they're a playoff team, say, hey, look at that pitcher and that starting second baseman or who they got in the Otani trade or whatever. 
Because if they wait, he'll either walk and they'll get nothing or they'll get a smaller package. But either way, the Angels are in a position right now because they didn't put a mediocre team around Trout and Otani. This is the price you have to pay. You don't get to keep them. Well, and yeah. so, boom. If you think he's going to walk in free agency, then you trade him earlier because, like you said, you'll get the better package. If you think you're not going to pay Otani, then for the same reasons you trade him earlier. But is it guaranteed he's going to leave in free agency? Because I'm not too sure that is possible. You say you don't, he doesn't have the connection like Mike Trout. Well, I believe anybody can have a connection to any city if you're going to offer them the bag. And Shohei Otani, once he's on the open market, if the Angels are willing to go up to $500 million over an eight-year period, I don't think Otani cares about the winning part or anything because guess what? Most dudes in baseball do not care. Most dudes in baseball just go to where the bag is. We saw it with Carlos Correa, just go to Minnesota. We saw it with Eric Hosmer years ago when he went to the Padres before they were even good. Baseball players do not care about market size. They do not care about winning. Most of that stuff does not matter. They care about where am I going to get my financial security? Who's going to give me the most amount of years for the most amount of money? I believe that's the bottom line when it comes to baseball contracts. And so the Angels are willing to pony up eight to ten years of maybe a half billion dollars for Otani. He'll spend the next eight years withering away in Los Angeles and keep not making the postseason. I don't think he would really care that much. I mean, he, he probably would care, but I don't think he would leave the Angels for a better opportunity if the Angels are willing to pay him more money than anybody else. So at the end of the day, Angels, if you want to keep Otani, you're going to have to pony up the bag. Otherwise, if you don't want to pay him or you think he's actually going to leave in free agency, if he is that kind of guy, because I respect Otani even more if he is that kind of guy. If he's like, hey, I don't want your money, Angels. You guys suck. I've seen what Mike Trout has done for you guys. He's been the best player of all time, basically, through the first 10 years of his career. And he wants to re-sign with you guys for the next 10 years. And it's led to nothing. So I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to take a pay cut and go somewhere else. I would respect that so much from Otani. But I've never seen a baseball player do it. So I don't think Otani is going to be the first. I think I think if he, he's going to get paid no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think he is... I think if the angels are in a rebuild to shove like $2 billion onto two players, yeah. we've seen that doesn't work. No, you need to put some of the talent around the board. And I think that his value now, maybe, maybe if the angels want to pony up that money, maybe you see if he, if he hits free agency, you bring him back. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, they need to rebuild this team and they have an unbelievable trade ship and the value of this trade ship could go down if they wait. Yeah. I'm actually and trying to look at like uh, the angels attendance rankings to see if I could even make an argument that he keeps them high in attendance. But I can't even find the angels right now. Um, the angels are flush with money. It's not a money thing with the angels. It's a talent thing. And part of me thinks it's an organizational thing. They've had Mike Trout there. Uh, Mike Trout broke in during Obama's first term. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. He's not a rookie. He's been no. around a bit. They've had time to build a team around him. And they haven't. And so now they have to. 
Well, yeah, I thought I, I talked about some of this with Javi on a podcast recently. Like they've like tried to go out there and spend money. It just all the players that they choose to spend money on just have been big whiffs. When you go back to the Albert Pujols and the Josh Hamiltons and the CJ Wilson, or if you, even if you look recently to the Anthony Rendon's of the world, who's going to miss back to back seasons with um injuries, and he's getting paid like thirty five million a year. Like Anthony Rendon's on one of the biggest contracts in baseball, and that looks like a complete bust right now. We're on the front half of that contract. Wait till we get to the back half of that deal. So right now it's like, yeah, the Angels haven't been able to build a team, but they, they've at least tried to spend money. They just have been doing that position players when they really, they need some more pitchers. And pitching. Yeah. And he was, they have a decade to develop pitching. Yeah. It's, and it doesn't always have to be signing free agents. You can, you know, that draft that just happened, you could actually draft players and build a team. Yeah. They, and here we are talking away, talking about dumping Shohei Otani. Now, if you're the Angels, or is there any world where you just do Otani for Soto straight up and you're like, we'll just trade one headache for another? Why would Soto be signed with that team? I See, I think I, I think I that's interesting. Yeah, it would be, but you know what? Neither can pitch. They can't look at it's know, just, it just doesn't make any sense. But what kind of package would you even get back for Otani? I just feel like it would be untenable. That's the reason I wouldn't trade Otani because I feel like there's nothing I could get back that would equal a value of a guy that could be a Cy Young. There won't, there won't be. Yeah, so it's like – yeah, But the only, but the only way you're going to get close to a worthwhile package is to trade him now where they'd get a season and a half of Otani. Um, there's no way you're going to get a player back like Otani, but maybe you can get several good players back. Maybe that's one thing they need to do. They need to start putting good players around that team. Yeah, you and know? I think I'm getting more than just blue. Like, I need dudes who I've actually seen on the major league level. Yeah. All-star stuff. Like, if I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm Like, if I'm going to, like, the Mariners or something, like, I'm asking for Julio and a top prospect or something. Like, I'm asking for someone who, maybe not a Julio-level guy, but at least someone who I've already seen on the major league level be pretty good. Maybe, like, a nas- uh, like a nasty Nestor Cortez and some other pieces as well. Like, I need I need something tangible that I know can work on the major league level and not just yeah. a bunch of swings. Um. And, you know, trying to take home runs out there. Well, you work on the major league level, Miller. Why don't you tell people where they can follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. Of course, on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube at Lockdown Dimebacks. You can find us at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast and Instagram. That's my personal stuff. And uh, that's where you can send the complaints to. And you can also uh, contact us at Lockdown MLB Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. Check us out on YouTube. Some of you are watching me on YouTube right now. All right, man. This is my first one back. I think it went all right, uh, even though we're doing it on my phone. Uh, Get through my little COVID haze with my buddy, Miller Thomas. This has been Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. Easy for you to say. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Sully. That's Miller Thomas. Hey. Oh, wait, wait, this is a social distance fist pump right there. Nope.